I'm Amanda. And I'm Mike. And this, this is Saturday, Saturday Morning, Morning Cereal. Hey guys, long time no talk. <laughs> but welcome to a new episode of Saturday Morning Cereal. I'm Amanda here with Mike and today is an episode I am so excited to talk about, and that is Loki Season 2. Now, for you guys who have been following us, you all know I absolutely love Tom Hiddleston. I love Loki. He is my favorite. Um, I was fortunate to actually meet Tom at New York Comic Con last month. So, yeah, it was very, very special for me. I won't get into detail, you know, how the photo op went, because for me, that was just like, it was my moment. It was such a great moment. He was so kind to me, as well as all his fans. So um, I will always cherish that moment. Um, but for, without further ado, let's let's get into this, because there's a lot to talk about. So first off, we have to thank our Lord and Savior, Eric Martin, who wrote these episodes. All these episodes were phenomenal and we'll get into that in a little bit um we actually got some new directors as well for this season um and then tom hiddleston the one and only loki and then owen wilson is back as mobius and then we got sophia di martino as my girl sylvie um and then wumi masako is back as hunter b15 who oh my god she was amazing this se- um, this whole season Gugu Mbatha Raw as Ravona Renslayer, Eugene Cordero as Casey, Tara Strong as the Thirsty Miss Minutes, and <laughs> we'll get into that. Um, and then we got Kihi Kwan as Ob, who was such a fantastic addition to the show. Jonathan Majors is back as He Who Remains, and then we are introduced to a new character as well named Brad Wolf or X Five, and that's played by or he's played by Raphael. Um, if I'm pronouncing that name right, y'all know I'm really bad at names. But guys, the cast, the cast in this show, the writers, the directors, they blew it out of the park. And they make these characters so personable, they feel like family. And that's why I'm like really sad that this series is, is done because I just got so attached to these characters. So... I mean, what do you have? Do you have anything to say about the cast? I mean, I, I can't say enough about it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a, a great, great cast, cast, a lot of great chemistry, and a lot of trust in the director to piece it all together because there's so much that happens in this series. Um, and when you're on a when you're on a set and you can't really can't understand everything from because there's just so much happening on, you just really have to trust the directors to make it look good. So. Props off to them. Yeah. Hats off to them. And I know, like, last episode with the Marvels, we've we've been kind of poo-poo on Marvel, but this show, Tom as Loki, is like Marvel's saving grace right now. Do you think so? I think what what I saw last night when we watched it for the first time, it was, it was great. It was very orthotic, and it was up there with, like, Iron Man and the uh, Infinity Gauntlet and Captain America and the uh, the Hammer and it was up there with uh, Tom Holland in Far From Home, you know, choosing to walk away from Zendaya, yeah. and it's up there with Wanda uh, saying goodbye to Vision. It was very, very cathartic, very, very powerful, very thought provoking, and just really intense. So. Great job, team. So, Amanda, give us a recap of Loki's story. Where did we see him at the end of season one, and where does he end up at the end of this season? Oh, man. So this season just hits the ground running. I mean, there's really not enough time um, for anybody to, like, not pay attention in each episode. So in season two, episode one, it's basically you're just – going off uh, the last episode of season one. So Loki, um, actually, we'll actually rewind here. Sylvie killed He Who Remains and released all these branch timelines. And um, so, you know, they kiss, and then she, like, hits Loki back into the TVA. And the start of episode one is Loki running from Mobius and Hunter B-15 because they aren't his... Mobius and Hunter B-15. He is in the past TVA where Kang, he who remains, is like the man in charge. 
nobody knows who he is. You know, he is trying desperately to get them all to, you know, remember him. Um, but then he time slips. And that is a huge thing in this season is um, he does this thing called time slipping where he goes from the past to the present. And what's interesting is he time slips where his friends are or like, you know, the experiences he had. So that is expanded throughout the whole entire season. So, yeah, it's just um, and then he's uh, telling Mobius, you know, what happened at um, Citadel. And we're also introduced to some new characters in the what the TVA calls the war room. You got General Docs and then Hunter B-15, who they're kind of like a TVA army and Docs is like the general. Um, they never explained though what <laughs> the the um, relationship between Docs and X-5 were. Um, but anyway, yeah, so it, it just is um, a continuation of season one and it just takes off, like I said. So Amanda, Loki's obviously your favorite character. I mean, you're hyping this guy up so much all the time. <laughs> What about him is your favorite? What, what makes him great? Why is he your favorite? I think when we initially sat down and we watched all the MCU films, I just instantly fell in love with Loki and Tom, um, his portrayal as Loki, because it's very relatable to um, the, some of my past experiences. And plus, like, I'm drawn to characters like Loki. I don't know. Like, I love Kylo Ren from Star Wars. Like, I'm drawn to these dark, bad anti-heroes. And, um... Yeah, and then I looked up Tom. I looked up his work. Um, kept watching all the Loki, Thor. But I, I do love Thor as well. Um, it's not... But I do love Loki. Loki's my favorite. Um, and then the show, like, really hooked me in. And it's just... He's so passionate about how he feels. Um, I, 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 that's all I can really give. I don't know why I love him so much. I just do. It just He just clicks with you. It, yeah, yeah. I understand. Yeah. I understand. Mike, what about, what, what, why do you love Loki? Um, I think there's always something you said about, you know, you have the favorite child and then the not-so-favorite child, you know? Like, you've got Azula and Zuko, mm -hmm. you've got Thor and Loki, and you've got, you know, Woody and Buzz and sometimes, you know, it just, it's kind of a sibling thing where... You know, you're fighting over the parents' affections, and Loki's the embodiment of that, but he's also the god of mischief, and he, he does cause trouble, and he does get into things, but he doesn't really know himself very well. And it took up until literally, like, the last two or three scenes of the show for him to realize, like, why he does the things that he does. And uh, it was great seeing him evolve over the course of the show, and realizing he shouldn't be the god of mischief, he should be someone else. He should he should write his own story. Like like if you don't take charge in your own life, someone else will write your story for you. Yeah. Um. So, and he's he's he, Loki is great because he can have these great dramatic scenes, like in this show, and then you can put him into a movie like Avengers, and he can be he can be kind of funny sometimes too as well. So he just, he just fits in anywhere the Marvel Universe wants to put him. It's like Tom says, Loki can play many keys on the piano. <laughs> yeah, and that's true. Because he can go from being funny to serious to scary to, you know, very um, lovable, like, as a person, you know. That's how, um, that, and that's why I love this show is because, God, he just has such a big arc. And he learns so much stuff about himself and how he feels. It's great. So Amanda, does does this show live up to how great of a, how much you love Loki? Does does it do him justice? Mm, absolutely. Um, I think season one kind of had a lack on the character a little bit of his full potential. Um, season two, he really was able to shine and just this was the Loki I've been waiting to see. Um, you know, I, I love Loki. I love Tom's portrayal of him and everything in all the MCU projects. Um, but it was something about the show where um, it's it's Loki from the first Avengers movie. And, you know, he had, he's like, what, L113? That's his variant. Um, and you just see him going from being so unsure and, like, vulnerable in season one, episode one, to knowing who he is, what he has to do. 
and he's capable of loving people and just it's so great and that's what this season it's my favorite i can't stop thinking about it i can't stop like i just want to watch it again like from episode one to the finale again and again because i just it's very it's again it's relatable um yeah and as far as like the other characters go too we finally get to see their backstories and you know a character like Hunter B-15, who, you know, was great in season one, she got more screen time in season two. And, you know, just having them each come through was great, too. Um, just overall, it was, you can definitely tell it was a group effort with this show. It wasn't just, you know, Tom, it was everybody. And you can see, you can see the love and everything that, you know, they love the characters and they just wanted to make it good. Yeah. Did you think Loki lived up to... The character? I think how Marvel had established Loki and how they presented him in this final season, I think that the show uh, grew him as a character and made him a top tier like Marvel character. Like he's up there with like Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans and uh, now it's Loki. Like he's uh, he's great and my understanding of Loki and my appreciation for him really grew as the series went on and I kind of understand like what he was meant to do like how he fit into the Marvel Universe other than being oh the sneaky guy who stabs people all the time <laughs> stabby stabs stabby stabs <laughs> so who are the newer characters we get to meet this season Amanda uh, first off we have X5 and he goes by his alias Brad, who is an actor on the sacred. Is it the Sacred Timeline? I think he's yes. on. Okay, yeah, Sacred Timeline. He is a very well-known actor, and he is like a premiere of a movie called Zaniac. He's in, um, and he's obsessed with trying to just get back on the Sacred Timeline since he knows he's a you know an actor. He's very famous. That's all he can think about, um, and he's very driven by that motive this whole entire season that we see him in and then we also have general docs as well who like i said she's like a general of like some tva army and unfortunately we don't get a lot of time with her and yeah she's just um you think she's a big bad but um she's just passionate about saving the tva i think she's very ignorant of the what what can happen or what if um she just bombs some sacred or um, some branch timelines without thinking um and then we also have the he who remains variant victor timely played by jonathan majors and you know at first you know I, during the ant-man and credit scene he is shown as like you know loki's like being terrified of him and Loki was terrified of him at first, but he is a very lovable character, actually. Like, I felt really sorry for him during some parts. And, you know, I think Jonathan Majors, he did okay with him. Like, it wasn't the best um, performance I think Jonathan Majors could do, but um, it, it worked. I really did love Victor Timely. Okay, and then lastly, we have Ouroboros, played by Kihi Kwan. They affectionately call him O.B., and I'm telling you, he was the best addition to this show. I can't think of a better person, a better character than Ob. Um, and Kihi Kwan just came off of the Everything Everywhere at Once movie. I I love that movie, and I adored his character. I just wanted to give him a big hug. And for me, this was like he he played almost like the same adorable nerdy character in this series so i just i loved him he was great what did you think of ob uh i'm not too familiar with uh kiwi kwan because i've never seen goonies and i've only seen that one indiana jones movie just once so i i'm i know him mostly from everywhere everything all at once and oh the guy just the guy just steals the show and and you're competing with like great character actors like owen wilson and you got Tom Hiddleston over there who's been playing the character for 13 plus years, I think, and he shows up and he he's stealing every scene and he's just so energetic and so peppy and uh, it, it, it's it's so crazy how well he, he plays his role. What about Victor Timely? What did you think of him? 
I thought he was he was really great. Um, he's definitely not as great as He Who Remains as a performance is, but I could see a lot of Doc Brown in there. Mm. And I love, of course, Back to the Future. So I love all the the Back to the Future references this season. And Richard Pineley, it's it's cool because he he was he was really smart and he could do all these great things, but he was just kind of held behind by the, the the time that he lived in and he kind of got like a boost from himself in the future from he who remains and he mm-hmm. became this master level inventor but he was also is he was still scared all the time he always was afraid for his life or for the lives of other people so i i was entertained by him I think another breakout performance as well is Tara Strong as Miss Minutes. We didn't get a lot of time with Miss Minutes. I mean, we did in season one, but we just saw her as this, like, artificial intelligence, like, mascot for the TVA. But in this season, she takes, like, matters into her own little AI hands. Like, she's crazy. And the range on Tara Strong with that was so good, like, voice acting-wise. I was very impressed with Ms. Minutes. Yeah, I mean, when you get these voice actors who can do all sorts of different voices, but then they also have the acting chops to do whatever type of scene that you call for from them, and they, they, they combine both, and you get Miss Minutes, who can be very threatening in one scene, and then the other scene, she can be kind of... Cute. Thirsty. Oh, yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, great range by, by the voice acting on Tara Strong, and she, of course, is a legend in that community, so... Mm-hmm. And then the animators, of course, you can't figure out them animating Miss Minutes on, on oh, top of yeah. everything, compositing her, so. I really liked how when they went back to, you know, the 1800s, the Chicago World's Fair or whatever, and they animated her in the black and white. It was kind of like a nod to, like, Steamboat Willie, I, th- I thought. Um, I thought that was really cool. Because yeah. uh, Renslayer was like, you know, you're not blending in. And then she changes to, like, a very old school cartoon and you can't forget like the other work that the the other actors have to put in to make her believable like they have to react to essentially nothing on set yeah and pretend it's a cartoon clock mm-hmm. so props off to the other actors as well yeah. so loki uh, at the end of this show essentially becomes the god of stories mm-hmm. he ceases to be the god of mischief and he becomes the role that he was meant to be his whole life um, what does that mean, and do you think that this was what He Who Remains intended to happen for Loki, or do you think Loki sees his own destiny? Okay, buckle up here, guys. So, alright. I figured this would happen. Um, I have the comic series. It's called Loki, Agent of Asgard. I really recommend you guys to read that comic after watching this show. So, Loki, in the comic, he, I mean, obviously, it's a lot different than the show. But he basically doesn't like the way he's being written. And he's like, I need to change some of this. And he kind of breaks the fourth wall a little bit in the comics. Um, But in the end, he becomes Loki, God of Stories. And that's what, I mean, I think that's what we are going to call him is Loki, God of Stories. I saw an article that was like, oh, you know, Loki is no longer the god of mischief. And I was like, what? You know, and then, yeah, he's the god of stories now. And now a lot of people are speculating he is um, a Loki. God, I think it's Avengers Prime. I think that's the name. Or, or Avenger Prime or whatever. Because he might assemble the Avengers in Secret Wars. That is a um, just a theory. It's not, you know, anything set in stone yet. But, yes, I think he who remains carved out this path for Loki L113 and he kind of explains it when he has a one-on-one with Loki in the season finale um if you watch season one um that finale episode six of season one he explains what happens because he's old he you know he's like I don't look old but I'm old I need to retire blah 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 I want to leave the TVA and, and the sacred timeline in good hands and he makes it sound like it's Loki and Sylvie, but Sylvie is just so motivated to kill him that, like, Loki would have no choice but to kill Sylvie in order to save the Sacred Timeline, ultimately. Um, but he doesn't, he won't have any of that. So that is why Loki went with this route, because, you know, 
and that's what's so great is god that ending was amazing we'll get to that later but um so he who remains and loki sit down and have a chat and um he who remains is like you can't do this but you can do that but loki won't have that um he's like no i'm gonna try to do things my way and um i think in the end he who remains knew what happened during the whole entire season two because he's like so the the temple loom melted down Uh uh-huh yeah okay like he knew um but i think that was this was his path all along um yeah i i can't say what where that like clicked with he who remains i would say you know i mean loki picked up the tesseract and peaced out I don't know if that was planned. I don't know. I, I don't know when that happened, but I do know in at the end of the day, this was what he who remains wanted all along. Because if you also look, you know, Loki walks into a ruined citadel and, you know, the throne of he who remains, Loki makes it into his own. His horns are he who remains is like temp pad pattern. Um, it's very he who remains. And he even has like the loafers, which I'm like, at least he's in his comfy clothes, right? <laughs> um, he ain't going anywhere. Yeah. So, in the end, I think it's... If you read the comet, Loki, Agent of Asgard, and then um, just rewatch that season finale and really pay attention to what he who remains and Loki are talking about, the connection's there. I think that he remains wanted Loki... To basically kill Sylvie and work alone by himself because, um, you know, you ha- when you're making hard calls like that, you can't have a partner to second guess you. And even he remains understood that because he got rid of Renslayer and he wiped her memory. I don't think he who remains envisioned Loki would become the god of stories and and meld the timeline into something better for everyone. I think that he. His expectation was that Loki would just take over the TV. I don't think he knew he would change the change the equation, mm-hmm. as Loki said. Yeah, like he he knew Loki was the one, but he didn't anticipate Loki to go off on his own and completely change it. Yeah, back in the like I think it was episode five. It wasn't like it wasn't the where or the how. It was the like who. it was the who, mm-hmm. and and. Uh, he remains knew the who was was Loki, and now Loki figured out the how and why. And yeah. the how is become the god of stories, and the why is to protect my friend. Yes. Yeah, I, all in all, I am very pleased with how they concluded him as the god of stories. Yeah, very, you know, I'm sad he's, he's alone. And that was his biggest thing, is like ending up alone. But then if you really think about it, like, is he alone? He gets to kind of, he knows what his friends are up to. Like, he, he has that peace. He's at peace. He's alone, yeah, but he's at peace. I hope, I think. What do you, do you, do you think he's at peace at least? Um, I think he's kind of, he's kind of serving a, a sentence kind of as well. I mean, yeah. he's there, but he's alone. And that's kind of what Loki's whole problem with in Thor 1 was that he wasn't being given enough love Mm -hmm. and now he's alone and he's not receiving love from anyone and he's alone I feel like that's kind of like a suffering to a bit yeah like you said he does know where everyone is what they're doing and he can monitor every everything so I think he is he's kind of surprised about where his life has led him but he's kind of still upset that he's alone yeah, I th- like the little smirk he gives at the end. It's a very like solemn smirk. It's not like a, I did it. Look at me. It's like, well, look at like, look what happened. You know, like I got the throne, but you know, I got the throne. My friends are safe, but you know, I'm I'm alone. I'm sitting out this sentence. And to me, like again, I love the ending. I felt like it was very conclusive. It was very good. Like just to end Loki's path right there. But I feel horrible for him. To, I'm just like, can someone give him some pie? Like, can someone use a temp ad to, like, at least, like, give him, like, a burger or something? Like, well, well, don't forget <laughs> that Loki, he can also project himself in other places. Yes, and I, now perhaps he can project himself in other timelines. That's so. what someone brought that up on YouTube. Um, 
I can't remember who, but yeah, they were like, yeah, he does, and I forgot about that. So, I don't know, maybe we could do that somehow. Because he's got to get hungry, I mean, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, many other Disney Plus shows have stumbled to finding their footing, as they are not run by a showrunner, but a director. So, what makes Loki work from behind the scenes as an exemplatory series? And you're a director yourself, so, you know, you can kind of, like, you know, you, you know more about this stuff than I do. Well, a director is tech typically in charge of a movie or an episode of television. And when you're a director working on television, you have to report to the showrunner. And television is usually a writer's medium. So the, the showrunner is basically a head writer, and they also have directing experience, so they know to keep every episode in line with what they uh, establish in the pilot. So, Marvel doesn't have showrunners, they just hire directors, and sometimes the directors will come in and they'll direct every episode, and sometimes they'll direct just a few episodes. So, I want to say the secret sauce and, and what makes Loki work is probably Tom Hiddleston as an executive producer. Um, probably his love of this character and him wanting to go out on such a positive note as the character led to him really taking charge. I don't know if... Uh, who, if whoever was directing the first season, if they decide, if they made like um, uh, a series bible for what was going to happen, or if Kevin Feige knew all along, but my guess it was probably Tom and probably some of the Marvel executives and the director from the first season really mapping out the whole series from the start and deciding it would be, you know, however many episodes divided into two seasons. Yeah, and I was going to say something, um, like in the Marvels episode, how Tom really loves Loki, but, you know, I feel like Marvel respects Tom enough to give him and trust him with the job of making sure, like, this character is what the fans want. And um, that you don't get a lot of that with these um, actors with their roles. And I feel like these newer ones, these newer movies, these newer shows that you don't have that passion behind the character as Tom has with Loki or even like Chris Hemsworth has with Thor, you know, like even Chris Evans with Cap, like that, that, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. They understand the weight of their character and what it means to people. That they, they get it. They embody that character for them. They get it. Yeah. And that's what, like, you know, I'm, I know I'm just going on and on and on about Tom, but that's what Tom is all about. He's about the fans and just the way he treats his fans and, and just the fans of Loki in general, you know, he is just the most humble, down-to-earth, giving person. And it shows in his performance as Loki. And, you know, it's just, it's so nice. Like, it's, I don't know how else to say, say it, but it's just, it's great. So, are there any loose ends in this show that you didn't get answers to that you are curious as if they'll be answered or mm. how? Yeah. Uh, first off, who was General Dox? Second of all, where's X5? <laughs> what happened to him? Third, what were their relationship? Because in the first episode, they had that, like, um, you know, they had their heads together. And even Hunter V15 was, like, speaking for the audience when we were like, what the hell is this? <laughs> you know? Um, but so that was that. Another thing that I was kind of left unsatisfied with is Sylvie. And I felt like Sylvie was kind of shoved aside as more of a, um, she was just kind of like a feral cat this whole season. Uh, it's very clear that Loki loves her still. He has feelings for her, but you know, he's a gentleman and you know, he just kind of stepped back and let her come to him. And she never really did. So I felt like that relationship buildup from season one wasn't there in season two, which is really, it's like a shame because, you know, they had great chemistry in season one and then in season two, it was just like one-sided. Um, I kind of, I was kind of hoping at the end that Loki or uh, Sylvie would uh, use he who remains his temp pad that she still has 
and be able to like go visit Loki, you know, like, because <laughs> when she walks away from Mobius, she's kind of smirking, and I'm like, ooh, is she gonna go visit Loki? No, you know, she's just gonna go live her life. Um, and ultimately, that's what Loki wanted was her to be okay in the end, and that's a very beautiful thing. Um, that he just wanted her to be able to live her life on the timelines without any stress, no more apocalypses. Um, but I felt like the way she was written this season, like, I felt like they took all that and they just, like, ignored everything that they accomplished in season one. Like, their Nexus event, like, that was a big deal in season one. That was, like, a turning point. Um, yeah, I, I felt like that was a big, big thing. What about you? Yeah, like, um, Sylvie's Nexus, Nexus event, we never found out that what that was, and then... The nexus point you're talking about where they basically fell in love on Lamentis still didn't make any sense to me because it was on an apocalypse and they were both going to die anyway so it doesn't matter what they would do how would it affect the timeline and then the whole thing with like the mutiny and then um, wherever Renslayer ended up and uh, yeah lots of, lots of loose ends on the show yeah, Renslayer. Um, did Elias get her? We don't know if that was alive. Maybe it was like I was telling you, Loki might have created his own little thing. Maybe, you know, it, it could be Elias, but if Loki's Elias, like, I don't know what got her. I mean, I'm pretty sure I heard Elias. It probably was. And she looked pretty scared. Yeah, good. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it just, I feel like we just needed some more, um, explanations with Sylvie because they just introduced her as a very strong character in season one um very good counterpart to Loki and she just wasn't used to her full potential in this and I'm not saying like Sophia did a bad job she did not Sophia you know knocked it out of the park given what she was given um yeah so speaking of loose ends we're talking about a bunch of characters who didn't get proper endings do you think that these characters could potentially show up again perhaps in a Deadpool 3 or Secret Wars or King Dynasty or even something crazy like um, another Marvel movie that hasn't been announced yet. So, okay, Tom was on Jimmy Fallon last night. So we'll get to that in a second. Um, initially, when I was doing some research after I watched the finale and think it has been confirmed that we might be seeing Mobius and Miss Minutes in Deadpool 3 because the TVA they're going to show up in Deadpool 3 which will be very interesting to see um one thing to note is that the TVA is run by Loki now at the end in the finale you see all the posters are the tree of I don't even know how to pronounce it but it's the Norse um like mythology tree, mythology of, life. tree of life yeah. yeah it connects heaven hell or Hala, Hell, or I'm sorry, Vahela, Hell, and everything in between. Um, and that's what Loki is. He built. Um, so every, it, it's Loki's TVA. It's Loki's life. You know, like he, we're living in Loki's world, you know. Um, so this will be interesting knowing that going forward that the sacred timeline and all these branch timelines are run by Loki. Um, now Tom, a, a, another thing I read too was that Loki could potentially um, form the Avengers. And that's what he gets, like, I think it's like Loki Prime or Avengers Prime. I can't remember the name. Um, so th there's that. There, You know, we can always keep that in the back of our heads, that Loki is still here. He is watching us. Now, fast forward, though, to last night. Tom was on, and he did say, he's like, it was a conclusion to the series and the past 14 years of me as Loki. I think he might very well could be done with Loki. But we don't know. I I've learned not to um, read too much into when Tom's like, no. Because. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what was the last time? Oh, that's the last we've seen at Loki. Uh, I know, yeah. Kind of his thing. Yeah. Um, I think that Loki will definitely show up again in a smaller role. Or perhaps in just a, a, a big one-time role. Um, when I was a, a kid, the Spider-Man NN series was on in the 90s. And they had this episode called Secret Wars. And Spider-Man was summoned to this battleground planet by this character called the Beyonder. And Beyonder was kind of a morally ambiguous character who was curious about 
which was the stronger force in the universe, the forces of good or the forces of evil. So he puts Spider-Man in charge of assembling a team of superheroes to fight a group of villains that he grabbed off of uh, planet Earth. And I could see Loki being, uh, being in a similar position where in order to fight King, who is against free will and wants the timelines and wants to rule everyone, conquer everyone, I could see King grabbing an army of himself, the, the Kang variants, and then I could see Loki seeing that on the timeline and going into different timelines, projecting himself as he can do, and recruiting a team of Avengers from across the multiverse. So, you know, perhaps Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man or Hugh Jackman's Wolverine or someone from the Fantastic Four movies like the Human Torch played by Chris Evans. So, I could see just this mod podge of Marvel movies and TV shows from decades and decades ago being combined into uh, like, uh, the Secret Wars and Loki playing a part in recruiting them, kind of like a Nick Fury. See, I was really sleepy when I was watching Tom on Jimmy Fallon last night, so like initially I was like, oh my god, is this done with Loki? But then like I was thinking about this morning. like He said in an interview he would be like 80 and still be playing Loki. He's like, I love playing him, you know? Um, and I will, like, trust Tom H- If Tom Hiddleston said, like, aliens are real, I would be like, okay, yeah, because, like, I would believe him because he's Tom. But when he says that he's done playing Loki, that's where I'm like, are you sure about that? Uh- <laughs> well, he could have meant by conclusion. He could have meant to the character arc. Right. That's what I was thinking. Um, because if the character arc is from Frost Giant to God of Mischief mm-hmm. to God of Stories, then his arc is complete. Yeah. But if it's just him making appearances as Loki, I think he'll still do. Yeah, I think so, too. Definitely. So do you think we'll ever see the TVA characters appear again? Like uh, I said, Mobius, I think, is confirmed for Deadpool 3. Um, I think it would just make sense to show them again, because we don't really understand what they're doing now. Um, and perhaps in, the, in a future movie, there'll be an attack on on the TVA, and we can see the army of the TVA led by uh, the, the General Vo- General Vox. No, General yeah. Dox is dead. General Dox. I think it's B-15 now. B-15. Maybe we could see them again. Um, I think we're going to see Ravona Renslayer again. I like a different, maybe a different variant of her. Um, but, you know, it's going to be kind of funny if Mobius is confirmed for Deadpool 3 to see Ryan Reynolds and Owen Wilson. Wow, that would be awesome. Um, yeah, I think too. Um, there are, we'll probably see like Mobius or um, Renslayer at least in future things. I think he definitely will because I know a lot of celebrities are great friends with Ryan Reynolds, and he's 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 this great kid from Canada, and he's a lot of fun to work with, and he has a lot of respect for the character of Deadpool, and a lot of Celebrities now who they you know they, they want to go work on a great set with great people so I could see anyone coming on to uh, Deadpool three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm actually excited for Deadpool three now. I mean I I do like the Deadpool movies but knowing like the TVA is going to be um, I would love to see Deadpool taking on the TVA because if we thought Loki was funny with the TVA like this is gonna be great. <laughs> So, do you think the other variants went back to their timelines, like Mobius, or do you think they all decided the greater good was to continue to work for the TVA? Well, it looks like they chose that because, um, you know, you can't really... Like, Mobius went back to the sacred timeline to see his self, his life, and you can't just, like, live there because there's two of you. You, you can't do that, right? Um, and I think and I know that kind of goes into our second point here. Loki's running it. And you can see in the posters, it's the tree. And um, they're hunting Kang variants. Um, I don't know how they knew that. But again, I think Loki is somehow communicating with them. Um, and it, you can see on the monitor to the tree. Instead of the Sacred Timeline branch, it's now the tree. You can see it. Um, and it's great. 
So yeah, I, I think um, I think Loki might be speaking to someone behind the scenes, and it's great. Um, but as far as they have a purpose still, and I think they're just so committed to Loki still that, um, like B fifteen, no, she's she's in it for the long haul. But Mobius was just curious at the end. I don't think he would just leave the TVA. I think there's a way that he could go and visit that life. I mean, he could, like, like, he was sent back to his timeline, and Loki was going around recruiting all of them. It was because the TVA exploded, and they were essentially pruned and sucked back into the time stream. Mm -hmm. So I think if Mobius could find a short-term way to prune himself, he could go back into that life, and he could just use the temp pad and come back at the exact moment he left. Yeah. That's well, true, too. Maybe he could have, like, it could be, like, a 9 to 5 for him. And yeah. And he, he could do that. Especially, too, since Loki figured out how to time travel within the TVA. Maybe there's a, an easier way for them to do that. That's what I was saying, too. Like, the TVA workers, they could have that as, like, a 9 to 5 job and then go home. Like, the ones that know that it's all fake. Um, yeah, and I, I don't think Loki would run that type of thing like he who remains did like he'd be like yeah go home like you know live your life so amanda you were mentioned that you think that the, the tva uh is monitoring kangaroo so why don't you go into more detail about what essentially they're doing because they can't prune timelines anymore so what what are they really doing i don't know um honestly i don't and the thing is, so all the King variants are living on the outside of time, which means it's just like frozen in place. Um, you see Loki do that um, when he goes to talk to Sylvie, essentially saying goodbye to her um, or asking for advice. I don't know what that was, but um, yeah, they're living out, <coughs> excuse me, outside of time and you don't know where they're going to show up. Um, we kind of saw them at the end of, was it Ant-Man? Yes. All congregating together. Yes. So they can just show up on any timeline and start a war. Um, Or they could each individually pop into different timelines and start, um, you know, a multi-universal war. Um, Yeah. So I think essentially that's what the TVA is monitoring. That's what Loki is monitoring. And um, I think that's the job at the, like, short term. Long term, I don't, I don't know. Um, there was a moment, and I think it was Mobius that told Loki that you have a burden of not getting away from the bigger picture of things. So there's going to probably be things Loki will have to do that he doesn't want to do with managing the timelines, like pruning. Um, you, it's uh, Mobius used an example of him not being able to prune an eight-year-old boy and ultimately it led to a worse situation um and then his partner at the time Ravona Renslayer pruned the boy and you know that because that's what they had to do they had no choice so um I think there's going to be decisions like that down the line still they have to do do you agree yeah I think you know, every tree for it to grow healthy it just can't grow wild all over the place. There has to be some type of something to keep it in check. Sometimes there's other trees, sometimes it's someone pruning branches, so we'll see how far they take that metaphor. So, Amanda, if you could time slip, where would you go on your own timeline? Hmm. Probably back to 1999. I say that all the time. Because for me, that was like peak Amanda, like Pokemon, Brittany, Sync, Backstreet Boys, colorful Lisa Frank things, body glitter from Bath and Body, like the simple times, you know, like I hated school, but it was manageable because we had all these great things that I felt like we underappreciated at the time. And now I'm like, you know, I'm on those 90s nostalgic TikToks and Instagrams, and I'm just like, oh, I miss that so much. Like, I took that whole time period for granted. Basically the time before, like, you know, maybe between the age of five and, like, before 9-11 happened. Yeah, like, that time Shrek came out, and then before 9-11, it was, like, 160 days of pure bliss, you know? That's right? like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pokemon card trading, 
playing your Game Boy. Like, that was my life. I loved it. And, like, it just, it, it was, oh, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It was just amazing. Go back in your life before responsibility, you know? Mm-hmm. But you would have all of the knowledge you have now, and then you would be constricted to the body of a 10-year-old, and then you would still have to go to school and stuff. Like, that doesn't sound fun. I wouldn't ever want to go back to school for anything. No, me too. Like, especially the, uh, like, grade school, high school. Like, no, no thanks. No, not middle school. Mm-mm. Uh, you know, what Loki did in the finale was he basically used his time slipping to continue to learn new skills. I think I would do something like that. Yeah. I would love to be able to just have all the time I want to master skills. Like drawing, writing, reading, directing. Learning about the economy. Learning about the economy, <laughs> learning about stocks and yeah. Bitcoin and if that's a good idea or not. I, I don't know. Yeah. I would definitely be learning lots. Yeah. You know, and then uh, Tom said something on the Tonight Show last night, and someone was like, is this, like, Tom, or is it a Tom variant? And he's like, ah. And I'm just like, well, what if yeah, we're all variants? Yeah, yes, very good question, yes. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum. Um, yeah. W- would you concur? Would you go back there, too? Back to the 90s? Yeah. The 90s was great. It was a good time. Go back into the 90s and, and put myself straight and, and work hard and see how my life changes. I, I don't know. I could lose. What if what if my destiny was to meet you and I go back in time and I, I change it and I never meet you? I'd be so upset. Oh, no. What if I go we'll back take this conversation offline. <laughs> what, if, what if I go back in time and I step on a, on, on a toad or something and, and it throws the entire universe into yeah. a downward spiral? Right. Or, or I go back in time and I accidentally bump into a kid and he falls into a, a gorilla zoo pen and then... <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's the thing, though, that was interesting. Is that Loki tried doing that by preventing Sylvie from killing He Who Remains. But in the end, it was destined for her to kill He Who Remains. He couldn't get... I mean, he could have stopped her. I mean, he could have killed her, or he could have just taken the time pad from her and then thrown her in a time prison or thrown her on a different timeline. Or Yeah, but, but what I'm saying, though, is that what we're talking about right now, like, oh, let's just go back and, you know, that's what Loki thought he could do, was, like, go back and sweet talk her down. No. It was just destiny. Um, so, Amanda, despite the huge success he's had at the box office and how he's become the new it man jonathan majors is in a lot of legal trouble and he unfortunately might face time in prison or he might just be a huge liability for studios and he is tied to the center of the marvel cinematic universe right now so what would you do about jonathan majors if you were in charge at marvel so I have done some research on this and I'm just going to try to piece all of it together in my head right now and talk about it. So a lot of people think that Loki is the man upstairs now. Um, there is a chance for Marvel to pivot, I think, with King. I feel like this could be a good opportunity if they don't want to use Jonathan Majors to dip out of the King Dynasty. But then that would mean changing if there's writing and stuff in the mix right now with the upcoming Avengers movies. Um, you know, that that's just a theory. That's a huge theory. And honestly, it does make sense, though, that um, they have this thing with Loki that they could use Loki as the one controlling everything. And um, they could find a new villain in the meantime. You know, um, that's an out for them. I don't know, honestly, about what else, though, you can say about Jonathan Majors and, and the role. Um, it's a shame, and if they have to recast uh, Kang, they might have no choice but to. That's what I would do. I would I would want to try to course-correct the ship and recast Jonathan Majors and get someone else, because there's just so many great, talented uh, African-American black actors out there mm-hmm. who, who would jump at the chance to play a character like King and all the different variations he has like that guy in Tenet's doing so well and uh, John Boyoga we love from Star Wars oh, like yeah. the talent the talent is there so I want plus we've established that variants can look different yeah that's true like Spider-Man looks different in at least 
three other two other universes. Alligator so. Loki. Alligator Loki looks different. Richard Grant. Well, yeah, we also had um uh, uh boastful Loki. Yeah, um, like you can be a, a variant and look different. Mm-hmm. So that's what I would do. I would I would recast. That's but a good point. And then again, like this phase phase three and uh, phase four and five in Marvel Universe right now are not clicking with fans. So maybe it might be best to cut ties with what's not working and move forward in a different direction, like yeah. Doctor Doom or. The Beyonder or Galactus, well, like some other big villain. And it's like what the theories and, and, and what just people are saying now is right now, if they're going to pivot, they need to pivot now. Because they left Loki in this position where, um, you know, the focus is now on Loki running the show. Um, Kang is out there. He's the big bad right now. But they could probably try to pivot somehow but you know again you bringing up that whole thing with the variants that's a good point too and they could always they could always say that you know Ravonna Renslayer is a Kang variant yeah that's true and it would be kind of funny because Loki is like the anti-Kang and he fell in love with the variant of himself so maybe Renslayer is a variant of Kang and she fell in love with him and she yeah. could usurp him in some way yeah that's true interesting food for thought We'll see. We'll see what happens. Well, we've got Amanda to say pretty much everything she could about this show. She obviously loved it, so we're going to be taking you out today. That'll do it for this episode of Saturday Morning Serial Podcast. Thank you so much for holding out with us through the writer strike and the actor strike. We have friends in SAG. We want to see them do well and and support themselves and continue to create great projects. And we didn't want to cross any picket lines and. Uh, promote any work that was being struck so we decided to unfortunately slow down our podcast but we're back and we're going to be continuing making great episodes this season so thank you again for sticking with us amanda want to say thanks as well oh yeah thanks for listening to my loki rambles in this episode (laughs) all right that'll do it folks have a wonderful day peace out